rather shame up or gag if you've let all the fans down. Can we not lock this? It's a fact. I am not playing mind games. I am talking about facts. I always said if I was Aladicci, I would probably say I was more of a tactical genius. The answer questions I have to uh, Religious, politics, uh, health, you know, sexual uh, problems. Look at his face! Just look at his face! None of you except for those two have done anything to justify the money that you earn. None of you! Disgrace! And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Alright, welcome along to Team 33, I'm Raf Giallo, as always you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Team 33, we're also on Facebook and also on iTunes, the interview this week coming up later on is with Declan Varley, he is a Galway based journalist and uh, you may have heard of the Mossel Bugdov or Bugdov more so, to give the uh, more Moldovan pronunciation, the hoax player from 2009 um, who made it onto the Times' list of 50 rising stars, didn't exist, it was a figment of his imagination, he just created it on Wikipedia, etc. It was actually 10 years ago today, so I was chatting to him a little bit about that, but we're going to chat about other stuff as well before we get to that. More uh, more, more likely actually being Bielsa and the whole Spygate thing. But lads, introduce yourselves here. Joe Coffey, welcome. Raph, pleasure. Derek Ryan. Hello. Connor Neville. Oh yeah. Enda Call. How are you? Keen Roach. How's it going? And Killian Woods. You out? Of course, myself. So that's about seven people in the studio. Loads of voices. Must be one of our mm. biggest uh, lineups ever. We've nothing to talk. It might about. be our joint biggest. I think we. It's yeah. like Clive Woodward's Lions Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Just without the pomp and ceremony. Now, uh, the Leeds United story. Obviously, this is Spygate, where a member of Bielsa's staff was, uh, and Jeez, you can Raph. stop snoring. Wait for us all to sleep, like. <laughs> We're waiting for your opinion on this, as we wait every week. Um, so, a member of Bielsa's staff was sent out by the manager to spy on Derby You're a County. hype man, are you? <laughs> Go on. Sorry. You're doing a very good job. But, yeah. um, he was sent out to watch a Derby County training session. Of course, this didn't go down well with calls of, you can't do this in our country, etc., etc. Joe. Your opinion now. Raph, load of nonsense. I mean, spying on training sessions is as old as the sport itself. Uh, and the fact that all these people are getting high and mighty and offended by the fact that uh, one team broke, broke slash bended the rules to get ahead. I mean, it's part of part and parcel of sport. They all do it. Is it even breaking the rules? It's not. It's it's not really wrong. It, it's well, yeah. If if but says but like diving is morally yeah, wrong. Absolutely. So I mean. I, it, I have no issue with it. Uh, I suppose the only thing for Leeds is they might be disappointed they got caught, but other than that, they were dead right. Yeah, the poll we put out yesterday, 90 per, 90% saying calm down, it's no big deal. Yeah. So that kind of says it all. Anyway, now, I don't want to end the conversation table. there, but some of the, some of the, some of the <laughs> end people of the show. End of, end of show. the show. I yeah. remember Man City, sorry to interrupt, a few years ago built a big wall around their training ground uh, because it was very open. I mean, why did they do that only to stop people from spying yeah. on their training ground? So obviously this happens on a regular basis. City wouldn't have done it if, if this so, never happened in the country before. You're calling for Derby to build a wall. If they want to build a wall, Trump-esque, fair Hang play on. to them, there did, you go. But my point is, it, it obviously happened. Did, did Man City <laughs> pay for it or did the people spying yeah, on Man City yeah, pay for the wall? I don't know. 
But the point is, it obviously happens in the country if City are doing that. But that was about three or four or five. Do you remember? Years ago. Uh, do you remember that? Was it? Was it the, the, the some, Jim McGuinness sent somebody down uh, down to Kerry? Who's hiding That's up in right. a tree? Into the, <laughs> bush, yeah. the hotel room. Yeah. Did he not hide in a tree? He hid in a bush, and then uh, he was also staying in the same hotel room the night before, or the same hotel rather than the uh, Kerry players the, the night before the game. Convenient. So he, it's nice he was able to spy on the conference before the, the, the game as <laughs> good, well. Good job, James Bond kind of stuff going on there. It's, it's creative, you know. Yeah. Frank Lampard would be up in arms about that. But it's the reaction, and some of it, like there was Adam Pope on from the BBC who was on off the ball the football show and um, the other football show on uh, on Monday, and uh, he was making the point that there was a slight kind of maybe racist or xenophobic, maybe is the better term. I'd yeah, it was slightly slightly racist. It was slightly oh look at us Brits, we never do anything wrong. Uh, kind of tone to it. They're doing a lot wrong today, and oh, I think it's, it's in their parliament with a vote or something. <laughs> I think it's our result. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was almost as oh, if yeah. uh, it was uh, it was it was disrespecting the gentleman's game of association football the way the Frank Lampard was going on about it. Personally, I didn't think it was right. I I I don't think it should be part of the rules that you can go and spy on a opposition training the night before. It should be in the rules. It shouldn't. It's not a matter of whether it's morally right or not. It's it, it just shouldn't. You shouldn't be allowed to do it. Frank Lampard brought up in the interview beforehand that uh, the main main issue he had with it was because Harry <coughs> Wilson wasn't training, and that that's the that's what Leeds would have taken from that training. Many a lot of people are trying to say that what can Leeds take from one train session, but it was the fact it was the train session the night before the game that I have an issue with, and they would have seen that Harry Wilson wasn't playing, so they would have been able to. To change their tactics to counter that, it so takes t- it takes the mind games to a different level, though. At the same time, doesn't it? Like that, um, as you mentioned, like if just say by chance on a Friday or a Thursday that you went and you spied on your opposition team, and all of a sudden you're a manager, and like this is all of a sudden a possibility, and you think, oh well, Leeds might be the type of team to go and do that. Then you're like, right, well, maybe I'll take a player out, and then they'll think, like training should be this safe haven if nothing else like team training should be the one safe haven left in like every other part of football that's covered in cameras covered in microphones bar maybe like the Sunland documentary the Manchester City documentary like the training ground should probably probably be the last because like even all the dressing rooms now like a lot of them especially in rugby like a lot of them have cameras in it the training ground should probably be the last safe haven for a football team he was obviously so he he what he got had a big long lens camera coming out of the bush like, kind of like <laughs> binoculars that's a bit different binoculars. Though. binoculars and he also had a change of clothes but he did like Inspector Gadget he didn't change into the change of clothes so okay. I'm not really sure what they were for <laughs> I mean I I, I like I'm, I understand what the lads are saying about about training being kind of off limits but I, I, I don't really see the issue we'd have missed some great television though if training was off limits, do you remember the French uh, World Cup fiasco? <laughs> where, well, uh, like, like, I mean, like, oh yeah, Pogba that, that Mourinho. Or actually, when you know, man, the trainer yeah. threw his credentials away in a fit of disgust with yeah. Patrice Evra, I think, <laughs> and then or John jumped. Hartson kicking uh, well, oh, Berkovich in the head, mm. or I Paul mean, Pogba arguing and Mourinho. Yeah. Balotelli, and remember Balotelli and um, Mancini having Mancini a fight in the training ground. Yeah, Balotelli also unable to put on a bib. Oh yeah. Yes. Or, 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 this or, or, before City closed off their training ground. Now none of that scene anymore. Roy Keane berating our goalkeepers for unnecessary tiredness that time. Do you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like uh, Frank Lampard was getting very upset about all this. But like, but he's played for Jose Mourinho. Yeah, he is the master of gamesmanship. Yeah. Isn't he, this the man? Didn't Jose Mourinho like sneak into? He hid in a laundry basket. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> like. 
That was yeah. it was literally uh VSVO's job at Chelsea under Mourinho to go with spy on other transactions. There you go. Do you believe that Lampard wouldn't have known about VS Boas going around doing that? No, or do you I'd think everyone that. was pretty I would privy say to everyone it? knows. Yeah. I mean if if Mourinho wanted to be quite egotistical about it, he could be like, "Now look, at this genius plan I've come up with all on my own." But I, I, it's hard to know. Yeah. He he probably like to galvanize the team. I, I I would say that you would say, "Now look, we found out this information. I'm not going to say how, and go from there." But I I would think that actually spying on other clubs and what they're doing is fairly commonplace. Well, there's yeah. two, there's it's two just ways. that he got, yeah. he got caught. The idiot, the yeah. idiot got caught. Yeah. That's, the, that's the only problem. Yeah. You're being very immoral about this, Derry. I just think it's a <laughs> massive story <laughs> to really mention a molehill. Everything like. is permitted. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, if you've Fair got a game. big public walkway right, 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 right past your mm. training ground, which seems right. to have happened here, then yeah, it is permitted. It's, it's, up, it's up to Derby to stop people from viewing their training sessions like City have done built a big wall around their training ground so people can't look in anymore it's up to Derby to do that and if you don't do that then a member of the public can walk by what's what's saying I can't walk by in a while and then t- go back to Derby and tell them exactly what I've seen mm. yeah. do you get me so like for money for money yeah, yeah. it's all about the money um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Killian, you are you can be our moral compass actually. So uh, where do well, you stand? Well, I'm a deciding vo- vote. Am I? Well, I, I, it's not so I, much a vote. I think uh, I, I, votes I, I, te- don't I, tend to be like actually trying to bring votes about. Don't doesn't seem to be a big idea today. based on um, what I've been seeing in another country. But uh, you can cast ones up. Frank Lampard made a huge mistake, or whoever went public with it made a huge mistake because they seem to keep. They didn't say it earlier in the because it's happened already. He said that they already that Leeds sent someone to the training ground earlier this season, didn't they? He said that in his. Um, his pre-match, whatever um, kind of discussion that, um, with the interviewee, interviewer, sorry, so that it al- it's already happened. I think they've added too, far too much fuel to the fire by it, bringing it up. I, I think Biel said, I think Derby seemed to have had more to lose by talking about it because uh, it, it, I don't think having giving Leeds the siege mentality where it would lead the leagues against them has ever really worked for a lot of other teams. Leeds revel in this sort of stuff. Their fans do anyway. Players change, but I think bringing it up and looking like a you know schoolboy who got his lollipop stolen didn't do much for Frank Lampard's image I think he came across very poorly trying to explain because once he actually started talking about it out loud I don't really think there's much to really like complain about and and, and he said it's like oh well sure look if God, if 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 spying on people doesn't matter then sure you know Pochettino um who did this Pochettino Guardiola and Klopp, not mentioning Mourinho, you know, should they, their master technicians are all there, just look as all their careers down to. I just think he made a big fool of himself trying to explain why he wasn't, he was in the right and Bielsa was in the wrong like on telly. It didn't do anything for Derby County's image, I think. So I think they should have just kept quiet and been satisfied that probably Leeds get very little out of that spying session. I can't really imagine other than kind of knowing who's going to start. Really I, love Bielsa, I love Bielsa's reply, by the way. He was just like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I do it. Like it took yeah. three and a half minutes because obviously he was speaking in Spanish through an interpreter, but he was pretty much saying, "Yeah, yeah, I do it. I've done it before." Yeah, there was no like hiding yeah, factor, no real like, massive apology. Yeah. I'm sorry if you're offended, but that's pretty much all he said. All he said. The he, interpreter did a good job of uh, mimicking the feeling Vialso was trying to portray. <laughs> Which was, I don't really care what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, I did it. yeah, it's fine. Do you know what's a bigger issue, and it's something that's really getting to me now. This is about the eighth controversial issue that we've stuck the word gate onto. Do you know, like Spygate? Oh, I love Spygate. We had, we I had love Pi Gate, gate last year. Oh, yeah, it's, be, it's becoming a trend now. We can't just put gate at the end of any controversial issue. Richard Nixon has a lot to answer <laughs> in that sense. But, uh, yeah, no, no, it's just, it just seems to be the done thing that uh, that is the kind of 
what's the it's not a suffix what is it it's not it's a it's not yeah, a prefix no, it is suffix, it is suffix, suffix, suffix yeah, yeah. A suffix that you throw <laughs> at the end of anything that is semi-controversial but it's the thing about like you can't do this in our country and all this crack I mean, incredible variation football cultures differ incredible know? variation in views I mean a lot of people are shrugging and that seems to be the way it's taken up in the last few days and then you have Keith Andrews who described it as disgusting yeah Mm. Which strikes me as a bit maybe a bit heavy. M- maybe if you're actually part of the whole if you are a professional and involved in the game you might have a stronger opinion. I think for the rest of us who view football as you know entertainment, it might be just another sideshow in many 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 sideshows mm. in a season because well, it made for a great pre-match interview. <clears throat> like yeah. it was brilliant. Well, everyone's talking about Leeds now, and all of, and, and the biggest reaction I've had when you talk about the story is. Oh wow, Leeds are top of the championship, and it's like, yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. One, one thing that I I took <laughs> from it works, and it kind of kind of annoyed me was, and I suppose it's from a competitive side of things. Is if if Leeds were really that confident going into this game, why they felt the need to spy on the derby? I know you want to get as much advantage as you as you possibly can going into a game of of this uh, of this standing, but at the same time, this Leeds side who are pushing for the championship title this year, they should have been confident enough without going and playing these tactics that's that's one of the issues I took from it I wonder was I he doing he it all has been doing it all season though and just so happens he was caught what? in this game or Derby made a bit of a mountain out of this where other teams have kind of gone it's it's grand yeah but it just happens in other countries especially ones that he's worked in and yeah. say Argentina etc so what, what did you say there Killian? I think he knew it would rattle. Maybe he's been doing all season. I would say he knew it would rattle Frank Lampard. Oh, Bielsa thinks about these things a lot, and I think Frank Lampard he maybe knew this would rattle him. Knew this would, and they or they threatened to go public with it last time when they did it. I just think the Leeds had so much to win from this because really it's not that it's not that bad a thing that people are going to turn on Leeds. Like I don't I don't see many other people like actually wading in behind this Leeds actually should be deducted points or the Stan Calumo yeah, which that is was just sorry, ludicrous thing to replay. I think it was Jermaine Genius who came out with that um, yeah. on BBC which is just ridiculous stuff. Stupid. Like you know Jesus. how much actually condemnation from Wigan football has there been? <laughs> <laughs> But oh, but it is stupid. Like it's I mean, it's, it's a it's a minor thing. Like you, you're not going to give a points deduction for that. It's not like oh, God. you know, if spying's one thing. Like it's not like he went like towards the water buckets and like urinated oh, into them or something. That, absolutely. That's, like that's, if he poisoned bad. them or something, it's slightly <laughs> different here. Or if he snuck into the dressing room at half time, again, that's a bit different. Again, like you know, but like this is a mention of a molehill. And I wonder if Lampard is making a bit of a deal of it because. It's an excuse as to why they lost, or even before the game, they were like, I think they could he, use it as an excuse. I, I His thought that would have fired be up. Yeah. Like, I thought Frank Lampard would have used that to his advantage maybe, of a seized mentality, mentality rather than the other way about. Maybe he was doing that as well, but like, I think he was using it to his advantage. I don't think I, I doubt Frank Lampard is massively offended by this. I think he's just using it to his advantage, either to explain a defeat yeah. or to rile his team up to say, I can't believe they did this, let's go out and show them. Obviously it didn't work. Well, it didn't work at all. Like, I mean, Leeds kind of dominated... Uh, Dominate that, dominated that game. But uh, any final thoughts on this uh, well, I, I issue that seems to be driving uh, Joe Coffey uh, quite wild? Think they need to I think there's a lot of half-ass opinions about how people say it's going to change. And the points the yeah. I think a point, a point, a probably automatic relegation for Leeds <laughs> and uh, sack the manager as well. And a good, good, maybe fine two or two or three million euros as well. <laughs> that seems very fair and proportionate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it pains me because my typical role on this show has been to disagree with Derek Ryan <laughs> relentlessly at every turn, as you know. But, and we uh, agree. Do we agree on this? I don't know. I'd like to be able to say no, 
<laughs> refer to the whole the, new world. Refer to the Leeds manager as Beelzebub. I'm surprised no one had thought oh. up that tabloid headline. We, we should have done greatest Maybe. training ground bust ups. That's what we should have done instead. Well, we can do it. Now. We just did, did we not? We did. Kind of, we sorted yeah. it, but it didn't really yeah. do it properly. It was just something we kind of raced through. But you but know, you're trying to remember them then. And was Balotelli 2012 was when they won the league. Was was that, was, I think it might have been around that time where they fell apart that season and then suddenly won the league three months later because United fell apart. But I think it was around that time where... Mm. where he, wasn't, he wasn't at City for particularly for a particularly no. long time. So I think it would have been that, that season where they won the league when Aguero scored. That was a great mm. moment when him and... Um, yeah, or the season after, one or, one or the other. But in that period, teams. I think it was definitely winter anyway. I get that uh, impression because they were... Well, they all wear snoods anyway. Most well at any time of the year, but like they were all kind of wrapped up in warm clothes, etc. So, I think that would have uh, covered it off. Now there are there are all the final thoughts on it. I presume. Will we give Kenyon the final thought? <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say the the people kind of the, there's a lot of these half spins. Like I was getting into with Stan Collymore there saying you know it should be the points deduction or people say it's cheating, people say it's illegal. All these like loaded terms. It's like when it all brings back to I remember when Suarez handled the ball in that World Cup and on the line and oh, people yeah. were saying he's a cheat, it's a lee, a cheat, and you know oh this is you know deception. It's like no, there's like people look at the football in such a wrong way in that you're you are allowed to handle the ball in football. You just have to face the repercussions of what happens, and that's a yellow card if you do it outside the box and penalty inside the box. Like this, there's no rules for it. So like, there's no point getting like we can have the moral argument, but there's Unless no point. Unless you're Thierry Henry, obviously you can't well, handle the ball. Well, you can't handle the ball. Massive up- uproar. I just feel like there's so many half-assed opinions out there about you know mm. this should be replayed and all these. We can have a moral debate about it, but to, like really get down, it's not that big an issue no. when we get down. There are much more bigger issues facing uh, top-flight football in England and I include the championship in that will he continue to do this Bielsa no yeah oh, of course yeah. he will oh yeah have me, just, have me thinks that scout got caught have me thinks that spy got caught on purpose now just to unsettle Frank Lampard he was just yeah. Bielsa was like look go and, I think, I think go they, and get uh, caught uh, there yeah. I don't I don't think he'll do it I think like I, if, if he does it again there, there goes the, the whole naivety about oh I didn't realise that this is a thing it's thrown out the window. Now right. he knows it's well, not a thing, so he can't PFA do it again. are investigating now? Is that the yeah. current situation? Like, if he does it again, he kind of deserves... Investigating, though? But like it's not it, against it, the rules. It yeah. depends on what happens after. Like, if it comes yeah. out that the FA are like, oh, well, like, we can warn him or we can tell him not to do it. But if there's no actual repercussion, he's just going to keep, no point. keep doing it. Like, yeah. Is it not, not covered in some vague rule, though, about... Um, Sporting conduct, or yeah, that's something that you agree to, or some sort of. I, I don't know what the rule would be, but I'm just wondering if there, there may be a vaguely worded rule that it traverses. No. Maybe, maybe. Fortunately, we don't do spying in our industry. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> it'd be quite interesting. The them. next spy will have to be better. No, <laughs> I mean it's a poor quality. James spying, Bond. <laughs> Yeah, I think that almost wraps us up on on this topic. Um, I thought it would get the juices flowing for some, not so much for others. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the interview this week was Mossel Bugdov. So the the author, well, it was the interview with the man who created it. So Declan Varley, based in Galway, uh, works with Galway Advertiser, and uh, you might remember this hoax from two thousand and nine. But if you've forgotten, here is that chat. All right, we are in the middle of silly season, aka the transfer window, and always there's lots of stories, some believable and some not. And uh, back in 2009, actually 10 years today, uh, a hoax was exposed, and we actually have the source of this hoax on the line at the moment, Declan Varley from Galway. How are you? 
I'm good actually, I'm good. Hard yeah. to believe it's been 10 years of Mossel Bugdove. Yes, Mossel Bugdove. So just to, um, to actually frame this story, so this is a Moldovan footballer. He's only 16 years old, has lots of potential and according to the Times at least, at one time he was, the, uh, he was among the top, uh, well, the top 50 players in terms of potential. Indeed, he was actually. He was in at number 30 in the Times' list of top 50 players. He was ahead of, uh, of Ozil and uh, Lewandowski, so it, it actually didn't work out as well for him as, uh, as it did for the others. But uh, he was highly regarded at one stage. Yeah. So just to paint the picture, maybe why you created this, uh, this character or this player, Masal Bugdov, why did you do it? And what was the situation with gossip columns in and around that time? Well, sort of around that time, really, you were, you were depending on, uh, well, we had moved on from CFAX and, and Airtel and, uh, and uh, sort of, it was the beginning of Twitter, but, but Twitter hadn't really sort of evolved. Uh, and so it was a very um, uh, uh, sort of fertile growing ground for um, football rumours to be um, um, circulated. At the time, as, as you know, as a football fan, the football transfer window is fancy time. Yeah, you you scour the media during uh, all of this this month or these two months or three months in the year, whereby you hope that 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 your team will be signing the new next Ronaldo, the next Messi, wherever it is. But um, and often, sort of a lot of the time, it's 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 just t- sort of total rubbish, you know. And in, in one sense, what got me thinking about it at the time was that it's the only element of information which we're prepared to be fed rumor or falsehood in one sense. And I think football transfer speculation was the original fake news way before Donald. Trump came up with the term. It's because if we were fed news, say general news, and we sort of only expected it to sort of had a 10% chance of it being true, you wouldn't really accept that. Yeah. But with football transfer speculation, we always do. So I think that, that I wanted to make a point about how far uh, a fake player could fly if he was invented. So I came up with the idea of um, uh, a social experiment whereby I would create a fake player. I gave him the name of Masal Bugdov because it was the phonetic spelling of Masal Bugdov, which is my little black donkey. The short story by Porgo Connery, he's the writer from Galway in the 1930s, whose statue is actually in the middle of Air Square. And he had a story uh, about a donkey, about a man trying to sell a donkey, a useless donkey, and trying to get a better price from it than it was actually worth. Now, in one sense, this was a, you know, a great metaphor for the transfer market because selling useless donkeys is what the transfer market really is. It's about agents selling players for a higher value than they, they probably have. So I just thought that that would be the name I'd go with. I spelt it Masalbugdov as M-A-S-A-L-B-U-G-D-U-V and I had to give him an existence. Now I didn't want to make him a superstar at the time because it wouldn't have flown if he was. I really wanted to make the point that he had great potential. So he was going to be young. He was going to be built like a, a tank, like Wayne Rooney. He was going to be based in Moldova, where you know, people sort of in this side of the world actually wouldn't be following Moldovan football to the extent that they would know whether he existed or not. So I went on to the Moldovan Wikipedia page, and I just added him to the Moldovan national squad. And um, so... In that, I also gave him uh, an assist in his debut for Moldova. I didn't want to give him a goal. Yeah, I didn't want I to make the, him totally yeah. incredible. So, yeah. And it was the, the goal was scored. Now, at the time, there was a player playing for Moldova called Bugiev. And Bugiev actually actually scored against Ireland in the in the qualification rounds for the 2018 World Cup, I think. So 
So I think uh, there was a little bit of, uh, of confusion because Boogie F and Boogie F sounded very similar. But this was back in 2009. Around the same time, the movie Borat was out. And you may remember from Borat that uh, he had an agent who was a, a slovenly man, overweight, unshaven. Uh, but the kind of agent you, you, you would like to have to get a, a deal done for you. So I gave him uh, an agent called Sergei Yelikov. And so Sergei Yelikov was the man who was issuing all these press statements on behalf of the young 16-year-old Marcel Bogdov, who had great potential. It was also the era when Sepp Blatter and Cristiano Ronaldo referred to footballers' um, contracts as being uh, akin to slavery. These are remarks which caused great furor at the time in 2009 when they, when they were said. So players at the time were in general seen as being mouthy and whiny and demanding. So it was a, a, a sort of very good environment into which Bogdov could arrive. You know, he, he had a comment to say about everything. He issued a statement about the, the, the interest in joining Arsenal. And I then framed these in the style of Associated Press reports. I just start out every report with AP Moldova Tuesday and then, you know, um, a comment from Bogdov and just send it out on, online, never publishing it anywhere, just saying on sort of on chat boards and message boards, have you seen this? And it flew around the world. It just, it just picked up because football fans will be searching for key terms like Arsenal or transfer or whatever. And um, it, was, it just sort of grew legs and legs. He, uh, I then wanted to develop him further. I had him picked against Luxembourg to play in a World Cup qualifier and he came out with the proclamatory statement that I will destroy Luxembourg and then join Arsenal. But so, so all the Arsenal fans and it was on the BBC chat board as well were saying, wow, who's this guy, who's this guy coming, coming through? At the time, Arsenal were renowned for buying potential, a lot of potential which didn't really, uh, wasn't ever fulfilled. But So he was, he was, um, he was a real character uh, in in one sense he was mentioned on sky sports news in in the line of uh, lists of players who are linked with different clubs you know sort of during the summer times when when really you know you're just trying to fill space trying to fill space i think mark hughes who was manager of man city at the time was asked if he'd buy him and mark just obviously never heard of him had just said yes we would not rule anything in or we would not rule anything and out actually just on that actually yeah. because the fact that he even just said that because it, obviously there are scouts and things that deal with that and they have their transfer departments, but even the fact that maybe he didn't want to pretend that he didn't know of certain players, exactly. fake or not, that yeah. says a lot maybe about the football industry too. Oh, it, do, it totally does. I mean, a lot of it is to do with, you know, you don't want to be, uh, you, don't, you don't want to look foolish. You don't want to sort of booked up to become suddenly successful. And Mark Hughes has said, I've never heard of him. Uh, so, but but, but it's, it's into that kind of environment that you could create something like this. And at the time as well too, I think Harry Redknapp had said something like, uh, he had to go at, at um, unknown players in general, say, from the likes of Moldova and Lithuania, he made some comment about saying, well, I'm not going to go out and sign an unknown player from Moldova or Lithuania. So Bogdov had a lash back at that in one sense. So even this guy, even though he didn't exist, he was having imaginary spats with football managers. So basically the, the whole point was he was staying in the news for, for three quarters of the transfer window in 2008-2009. And as the summer progressed without a transfer, obviously he wasn't going to get a transfer because he didn't exist, which, you know, it's a bit of a disadvantage for a player, even though you see Mesut Ozil and, and you wonder why. <laughs> but he was, um, uh, he was linked to Cork City as well in a move that would have seen him loaned to Reading to get around work permit issues. Basically, I just kept feeding the... I needed to have um, a constant flow of information about Mosul Bogdov. And he got a thousand mentions on Google, which was pretty good, um, uh, um, considering he didn't exist. There wasn't... Any photograph of him. There wasn't any video of him. Uh, there wasn't. There were no interviews with him, uh, um, uh, audio or, or, or video. 
Yeah. So basically, he was uh, a thousand mentions isn't bad for a player who doesn't exist. But then he was named on the FIFA site and on Goal.com and on and when Saturday.com, the, 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 the websites, as being the only bright spark on the horizon for Moldova amidst all the nationalist strife that was, <laughs> that was uh, tearing the country apart at the time, that the only bright spark was this young 16-year-old player, uh, Marcel Bogdov. So he was, he was existing under the radar. Now, what happened 10 years ago today was that this, the Times of London, which is the paper, the oldest paper in the world to be covering football, actually compiled its list of the 50 best young players and he was named at number 30. Which yeah, is and amazing. actually I have, the, I have the entry here in front of me. It's obviously, as you said, number 30. He plays for Olympia Balti. Moldova's finest. The 16-year-old attacker has been strongly linked with a move to Arsenal, work permit permitting, and he's been linked with plenty of other top clubs as well. Based yeah. on what was out there, it's not that far off, but of course it is based off of a hoax. In, totally, totally. And that list was syndicated around the world because... January, this time of the year, people see these lists. I'm sure they're in all the papers for the last while during the silly season of the transfer window. And people read them. People want to see the list. So that list was syndicated by the Times, who would be in a very authoritative uh, football publication. And that was sent around the world. And it sort of gathered legs. But, but what happened is a Russian journalist spotted it, a Russian journalist uh, who covered Moldovan football. And he just made a comment saying, this player doesn't exist, you know? And this was picked up by Slate and a blogger called Brian Phillips, who then went on a, a kind of a, an investigative search to see what was what happening here. And uh, within days, they had um, um, uh, sort of clarified that Bogdov didn't exist, but there was some, but he was, at that stage, the Times realized this. They went in to, to take him out of the top, instead of moving everybody up one and taking him out, they took him out totally and they replaced him by a player who wasn't in the original top 50, a player called Jay Simpson, who ironically did play for Arsenal at the yeah. time. So he went from sort of not being in the top 50 at all to suddenly being number 30 in the world. And of course, when this mistake was, was highlighted, the whole uh, bug dove story sort of sort of grew legs and got bigger and bigger and multiplied. And at one stage, uh, on this day 10 years ago, he was on 106 million hits on Google. Right. So, so Bukdov was pretty big. And if I'd sold him for a penny a hit at the time, I'd have, I'd have made a fortune. But uh, yeah. uh, it wasn't the case, you know, it wasn't the case at all. Yeah. Now, what's happened since, though, in, in one sense, though, the, the Bukdov story, it, does, it says more about the state of journalism than it does about the state of football, in one sense, because obviously someone was just asked to sort of pull together a list and went to Mr. Google and Mr. Google will tell you everything. You know, sort of back in the day, starting out in journalism, you're always sort of told to have, you check your, your, your three sources, the guards, the priest and the local shopkeeper and so on and so on. But nowadays, people just sort of just go to Google to get the, the information. And uh, that's what, obviously what happened then. And Marcel Bogdov um, got legs and became the greatest player who never was. Yeah, and especially because you've done you've done so much work around it. So the Wikipedia is one thing, which is often an easy way to start off. And then after that, those press association reports, or at least the fake ones, they would look legitimate to certain people who might not look too closely. And oh, totally. maybe that also says something about the state of modern journalism, because actually you could just make a phone call. I know Moldova would be a harder place, of course, indeed, to, indeed. to make contact with linguistically and otherwise. But um, the fact that it slips through the cracks does say something, yeah. especially getting up to number 30 as well, ahead of the likes of Ozil and Lewandowski. Indeed, totally. And I mean, even in 2009, there would have been um, video footage 
uh, and and photographs of of Mossenburgdorf. I mean, the fact that he made it so far, sort of through through word of mouth, really sort of says an awful lot. Now, um, the Mossenburgdorf story is now um, it's now a subject uh, on the syllabus on some American universities who uh, who um, use the um, the saga as uh, to investigate the role of truth in digital journalism. So I've been talking to a lot of people like that. There have been the various presentations and papers done on it. Uh, uh, every year there are new presentations where the Mosselbugdov comes up as the, the sample of how the media c- sort of c- can be caught out. It was named the second biggest hoax in, in um, a sports hoax on the internet there a few years ago as well too. So he does live on even though he doesn't live on and uh, sort of even though he didn't exist. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a great lesson to us all. And maybe a final point actually, just um, kind of thinking about this story and what transfer gossip rumours are like. I don't know if it's my age now as I've got a bit older, but I don't seem to, I don't really click on them as I used to do or in the old CFAX days, I think it was page 338 on the BBC and it was the place to get them. Um, I used to, you know, I used to consume those voraciously, but now I don't, you know, I wait till the transfer has happened and then, you know, I'll read the story then. But I don't know if it's my age or if I'm just not connecting to it anymore or maybe I just don't care as much about transfer rumours but I don't know have you found maybe gossip columns have changed slightly in that sense also Yes, I think so. I think that we have never had uh, more information at any stage in, in in the world than we have now. I mean, we can, uh, you can. I think it would Musselburgh have work in this environment. He may or he may not. It's just that everyone's a journalist now, and everyone can can be an investigative journalist now as well using Twitter. So I don't think he would have he would have flown very long if he had been launched in 2019 as opposed to 20 uh, to sort of 2009. I think to um, the the. Um, the way that that's, that's sports or the football transfers are carried out now, the clubs are are playing more of a game as well too. They make an event of the whole the whole announcement, and uh, even when a player is like 99% uh, assigned, like it's still it's still never never really there. I think, and I think the the fans now are more more dubious of, about and uh, more suspicious of the information we're getting than they were back in that day. You know. Yeah, and also maybe like a growing number of foreign players coming into the league. It doesn't feel as much of a novelty than if there's maybe an unusual name or something like that in comparison to, I know 2009 by that stage, it had actually in the Premier League particularly, there were a lot of foreign players at that point, but um, maybe not even as much as today. Indeed, indeed, and, and that's what the thing about the thing about football fans is that they are prepared to to learn new names and and uh, every year and and sort of to to um, to be assailed with a lot of information about players you've never heard of. I mean, not many people uh, sort of up to now up to this year had heard of Lucas Torreira until until he played for Uruguay in the World Cup and until he joined Arsenal, and now he's a kind of a household name almost. Uh, and 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 players like that. I mean, we new names come along all the time, and uh, um, and new players and. It's um, it's unlikely that that Bugdorf would be as successful now as it would have been ten, ten years ago. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, you mentioned the statue of uh, Patrick O'Connor in Galway. Is there going to be one of Marcel Bugdorf as well, just well, for this whole variety? It, it, it's funny you should say that in one sense because because uh, the, the pub in Connemara, uh, uh, Michal Kine's pub, uh, G Kine in in in, uh, in the far side of Connemara, where me for Patrick O'Connor used to drink uh, uh, sort of sixty, seventy years ago, uh, they were fascinated by this story. And they, there was a mannequin uh, of uh, Marcel Bugdorf wearing the uh, the Moldovan number ten jersey, uh, uh, placed in the corner of that pub for a while. So it, it was a real talking point. And uh, and Marcel Bugdorf lives on. I mean, every 
Every transfer window, I still do interviews about the the Musselburgh Dove story. Um, if you Google Musselburgh Dove online, you'll see news stories about it all the time, all over the world, all different languages. So right. I, I think I think people love a, a good hoax, and I think first, uh, it really, in one sense, it, there was a, a great Irishness to this hoax as well, because the paper that 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 sort of through which uh, Book Dove used to issue his statements was a paper which was named Diario Mohorn, which is like yeah, basically so, the diary of my yeah. art. <laughs> and uh, so basically, Irish people who spotted this straight away knew it was a hoax. Uh, but a bit, but it sort of certainly caught the rest of the world out. It certainly did. And ten years on, it continues to live on. And uh, of course, it's a really good good-natured hoax as well. And from a journalist's point of view as well, it does kind of make you think a bit about your own industry as well, which is the other great thing. So oh, it does indeed. And yeah. and, and the the official biography of Mosselbugd will be published later this year, called Number Thirty. Ah, so good stuff. Good stuff. Greatest player who never was. <laughs> we look forward to that. Anyway. I, sh- I should have sold him though. Perhaps. Perhaps, you know, uh, you should yeah. have just when he, when he was at his peak price. That should be the time to do it. Totally, you know, totally. But, yeah. but I say now, sort of, uh, he had his own Twitter page for a while, and. Um He's now retired. Obviously, he never got the break. He's he's still only 26, and he's living in somewhere in Paris with the the runner-up in Miss Moldova 2012. I think so. That's that's his life at the moment. Well, it is well for some, as they Indeed, say. Indeed, it is. <laughs> well, Declan Varley, thanks a million for taking the time no and telling telling us that story because ten years on, it is still fascinating. Thanks a million. You're Cheers. welcome. All right, that was Declan Varley chatting to me earlier today. So that was on the topic of, I suppose, gossip columns and. Basically, he uh, he pranked the football world, the Times, etc., fell for it, and from there, kind of other organisations picked up on it, and it probably just goes to show maybe it's more of an is- a journalistic issue. I mean, you should be probably following up, making phone calls, finding out what's going on um, in regards to players rather than just listing random names from wherever that you've never heard of. But for the most part, who still reads gossip columns or actually clicks on them on websites or wherever it is? Oh, it was a two two o on um on teletext, wasn't it? Two two o was the gossip column on the BBC on the... one, was it? Yeah, two one three three eight, I think. Oh, oh, maybe it was I something think. else, other tele- or maybe um, the old teletext number. Uh, I used to read religiously. I used to read it. I would think actually the gossip column has been replaced by message boards because I think that usually on a, on a, on your football club's message board because you've got so many fans posting particularly there's certain ones and Twitter, you tend to get more concrete gossip. Like there was, there was always there, you know, like, I mean, there was the parody that it eventually morphed into on transfer deadline day of, you know, my uh, sister's brother-in-law's friend is a postman and he, so he delivered uh, a letter from, um, you know, uh, Michael Ballack to uh, Highbury and uh, I think Michael Ballack is going to sign for Arsenal or something mental like that, you know. And it was usually these mad ones that they come up with. But if you, you, you usually get more concrete rumours from uh, Twitter and message boards that, you know, have a better chance of coming to fruition where there is genuine interest. I mean, we all remember certain gossip columns in years gone by that would probably it's fair to say, have been written the night before where they just think of, of what, what would get people talking and put them in, you know? Yeah, and I think there was a stat, like it's from Alan Gernon, who, um, well, we had him on discussing his, discussing his book on the show um, just before Christmas, and I think The Guardian are the most accurate when it comes to these kind of gossip, um, gossip articles, and uh, it's only like 25% that actually turn out to happen, yeah. which is... No, that's not, not to say that there, there's probably a lot, a lot of... 
the rumor aspect true clubs you know yeah, I'm no, sure some of it is true but it's just the deal doesn't actually go through the amount of deals that, that um, don't go through that yeah. don't go through so some of them get close enough sometimes there are cases of say somebody is doing their medical and then they decide yeah I'm going to change my mind so there's been loads of, be particularly Arsenal I mean every summer Arsenal under the Wenger in the Wenger years Arsenal were signing about five mega stars and then signed none of them in the end because they were all too expensive yeah <laughs> I think Zlatan and Ronaldo would have all like if rumors yeah. had followed true would have all played for Arsenal and yeah. imagine that team with Fabregas David Beckham was another I remember at one stage anyway I'd like to know yeah. what percentage of uh, those players linked with Manchester United actually go to Manchester United because it seems like any star that is unrested at all at their club is heading towards Manchester United I saw when Aaron Ramsey's going to Manchester United two days ago <laughs> no he's yeah. not he's just not he's going to Bayern Munich or Germany or Europe yeah. or Spain Somewhere, I remember, I remember a few years ago Philip Coutinho going to Man United apparently yeah. which is Unthinkable. The only reason <laughs> these players are linked to United is because they are the only club that can afford them at this time. There and is absolutely the only no club truth behind to actually spend all that money yeah. on somebody who doesn't matter. Um, I remember a few years ago the United did a thing on their website of all the gossip links to, <laughs> and there was like two hundred. And you know, I think it was probably the season they signed maybe three or four players, but there was like there was literally two hundred links to players over, from the start of the transfer window to the end. So that goes to show, like one you percent know, of the, the the actual things come through. The, I mean, there's always these random ones, and you know, there are some obvious newspapers that you wouldn't even believe a thing of. We all know those newspapers that you wouldn't believe a thing that comes out of them, you know. And it's the back page of so Messi's joining United next week, all that kind of stuff. But when a reputable source actually does say that a player's been linked. It gets you kind of excited. Gets yeah, me excited. Yeah, sure. I remember when they brought in the transfer, the actual transfer window, <laughs> there was a lot of newspapers bemoaning the fact because it meant the death of transfer rumours in the months between uh, like January or February to May and... Yeah, it didn't really die out though because really they, they still out. do deals in yeah. between yeah, or but, buying things But they over. were yeah. worried that if we, because you know it's it's so commonplace now you forget that there was a time when you could just sign players whenever you wanted. How old is the transfer window? It's about it's about 12, 13 years old now at this stage. That's the January one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, the, and the, just the three months in the summer as well. Yeah. I mean, it feels much older at yeah. this point. It's like much I, older than that, isn't it? Uh, it's 2002 I think. Maybe it's 2002 but you know Give or take, what's three or four years? <laughs> Joe's <laughs> living in the Celtic Tiger over here. <laughs> Sorry, there's just a silence that just <laughs> there. I thought somebody was about to say something. something else to say. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think Twitter has uh, taken over transfer columns quite a bit as well. <clears throat> I yeah. mean, you have these fake agents uh, on, on Twitter, these pages that have a couple of thousand uh, followers tweeting out random stuff. I saw one yesterday, it was... Yaya Toure and or Victor Wanyama are on their way to Celtic and Celtic Twitter exploded. All the fans. Yeah, were, I saw were that amazed. actual rumor today, and it, it it was nothing. There was no, no nothing behind it other than uh, Yaya Toure saying, "Yes, I, I like Brendan Rodgers. I might end up in Scotland or England or France." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's as clear as mud. It's it's like it's like uh, you know they go, you know they ask some superstar. Do you think you'd like to come to Ireland someday? Oh yes, Ireland is a lovely country. <laughs> I hope to come there someday. And then go such and such is going visiting Ireland. Shamrock soon. Rovers or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tori. Yeah. Um, there's a Twitter account called I think Indy Kayla or Indy something. It's, it's something like that. Who about five years ago, everyone was ripping the piss out of him on Twitter because he used to like come up with these random, uh, you know, um, 
transfer stories that never came through or he'd jump onto a transfer story that like somebody else had and say I've had sources to say Berbatov is joining United or something and everyone used to rip the piss at him I thought he was gone and two days ago he, I just saw a tweet from him again he's still going strong he's still replying to like tweets say Aaron Ramsey to Juventus my sources also say Aaron Ramsey's joined Juventus. He gets like a thousand retweets and he has like a hundred thousand followers. Is that a deliberate satire though, is it? No, I think he's, I think it's some guy pretending, but like everyone knows it's fake and all the people like take the piss out of him, but still he has a hundred thousand followers and he's still, as far as I know, I I thought he was long gone. I only saw him two days ago for the first time in a few years. Great guy. Cite sources. I could cite sources. About anything. He's like, according to my source, Messi is staying at Barcelona or something like that. I think the Ramsey Juventus deal is pretty much done now. Oh, yeah, but my point is, this was widely reported. He goes, according to my sources, (laughs) Ramsey might be joining Juventus soon. Yeah. 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 Um, I suppose moving off topic, actually, there was something that happened this week. It's obviously Declan Rice's birthday. I don't want to talk about the Rice issue per se, but the fact the FAI put out that tweet. Wishing him a happy birthday. Jesus, and we're really scraping. We the are really scraping the barrel. Extremely pathetic. Almighty, huh? It's extremely pathetic. I mean, I think there we're, there are people now on twenty four hour the topic twenty four hour watch or the FAI tweet. I think the Ireland in general. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like if I'm the, like sure, like let them tweet him. What difference does it make if he declares for England? So what? I mean, I, we, there are people on uh, Rice Watch in terms of his social media oh, activity. Yeah, I, know. I mean, the, the big break. <laughs> he liked, he liked uh, an Instagram comment. Yeah, that was the big break. David Myler uh, tweeted him a happy birthday. No, yeah, what's he, it was it was Myler. Yeah, Myler said, but Myler said something about to future Irish inter captain. Happy birthday to future Irish captain David Rice or Damien Rice, something like 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 that. I can't, I can't remember what what the wording. Damian getting his right, yeah, yeah. his name wrong wouldn't help. <laughs> no, that's David just me. Rice. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that would have been that would have been that would have killed his <laughs> stone day. That would have been so good. No, the FBI just give him an England jersey now. Let's be done with the it. Tweet like. a happy birthday to David Rice. <laughs> definitely going to declare. Did they tweet happy birthday to Robbie Brady in the end? Because there was a lot. Uh, I, know, I think they did or they put up a Facebook post one because like, it was a good save yeah. <laughs> they're probably like oh no <laughs> let's piss off the rest of the squad by only focusing on the guy who probably doesn't want to play for I us I think he actually might declare for Ireland yeah so do I Yeah, I think people are more confident especially Mick McCarthy I think the, uh, the, the FAI are very confident no they must be if they put that tweet out True, because they actually. I don't know. We're giving a lot of. Well, let me let me just interject here. They also put a tweet out saying "Happy birthday, Jack Grealish." Oh, Uh, Oh, did they? We'll get you a new pair of shin pads for your birthday. Was was the caption because it was a picture of him playing for the under 18s and he was. Going uh, full blown Thomas Muller with the the socks down his ankles. Natural with the old shin guards. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Killian. Uh, Look, um, what's more to say with the Declan Rice thing? Like you know, I think it's it's just a bit of crack on Twitter. I wouldn't be. Yeah. I think people read in, read into it far too much. I think actually it, it was well played by the FAI Twitter account. In fairness, bit of crack. Like yeah. it was interesting. It's just it a bit of a laugh. Like I didn't say it. it's a bit of a laugh. Going on to the sources thing, actually, it's interesting. That it's been a while since it, he was on. It was it was about two months or a month now when he we kind of had the news from the Irish Times that he was on the verge of making a big decision. Nothing came. That's kind of going back to I, the I, yeah, who, where these Christmas, respected sources coming from. I, I would reckon that we'll hear though before the end of January. It's according to your sources. This is my, according <laughs> to my sources. <laughs> Let's check in the West Ham. Come on. Yeah. Now that the West Ham deal's done, yeah, I think that that leaves it. Uh, leaves it open for him to make a decision. The the fact that Patrick Patrick Bamford and is close to declaring and possibly Nathan Redmond as well. If if we if Declan Rice declared before the end of January, that would be a, a great uh, yeah. 
great win for Mick McCarthy. It's a great, I, I, it's well, a great think, transfer window for Ireland. I, I think I think with uh, Mick McCarthy anyway, they certainly have a decent chance <laughs> of getting him to declare for Ireland. Mick's Mick's easy He's going. He, term, he, he yeah. was playing. He was playing the offensive. Uh, very early on, before yeah. he even got the Ireland man- management job, he was. Yeah. On, McCarthy on was only media. short of attending the stadiums where Mar- <laughs> he was only like short of going to Denmark and sitting up and watching the match like a vulture, watching Martin O'Neill ready to swoop in you, and take his job. Martin O'Neill is going back, going back to where he it all is, began. He is indeed back to uh, the club. Well, that he the, the, the sleeping giant. Club, but anyway. Yeah, um, 17 European <laughs> <laughs> According to the estimates of the amount of times he's mentioned European Cups, yes, it probably is 17. He's getting a lot of slagging uh, from Irish yeah, people. Yeah, it's, it's a bit. I think yeah. it's a bit harsh on him. Okay, like it ended badly and it was right for he's him a good to. manager. Yeah, it was right for him to go when, yeah. it went, when he went. But at the same time, he got Ireland to Euro 2016. <clears> and like he's spoken because about he has no strikers, well, which is completely true. Yeah, but they expanded the tournament. That was. The I know, but he got Ireland to Euro 2016, well, we goes to the quarterfinals. Well that was the thing. We actually played well at Euro yeah. 2016. Yeah. Well, and almost got to the World did, Cup. Like, we we yeah. were within what. Uh, the shame about the World Cup was the way that it was going so well and then Seamus, Seamus Coleman broke his leg and the yeah. team seemed to implode after that. Absolutely. But yeah. the point is, like, he did a grand job with Ireland. Not great, obviously, but but a grand job. He gets a lot of He's getting a lot of abuse. People saying, oh, poor Nottingham Forest uh, for taking him on. He's obviously a good manager. Yeah. He's uh, had a bad time towards the end of Ireland, had a bad time towards the end of Sunderland, but he's done enough in his management career to say it's just give him the job in the, in the championship like 2018 was just so bad though that was oh, so yeah. good. and like we, I personally think you kind of look back and it with rose tinted glasses just a little bit like got to the Euros was 90 minutes away from getting us to a World Cup like we would have went to back to back uh, major tournaments since like 88, 90 yeah. which is like that's a massive deal for us I know there are expanded tournaments and everything like that like even his tactics in the final game where he like took off his uh, central midfielder and let Ericsson through. Like even that, I'm not even that mad about. Like he had, he went for it. He went yeah. for it. Like I, oh, be, God, prior no. no prior to that game though. <laughs> um, prior to that game, they'd only scored like one goal in yeah. X amount of games. Yeah, no, sorry, I can't take any more of this. He took a risk no. and it, yeah. it imploded, but he took no, a risk. No. I'd rather that, he took a risk and lost five one than didn't take a risk and I, lost two one. I just the the reason why I'm bringing that up is I just think that defeat gutted him. Like that totally gutted the team. There was a lot of players who were aging, and it was their last chance to get to a major tournament. And then all of a sudden, twenty eighteen rolls around. And he's and, and, and one of his big uh, arguments was that he didn't have a striker, like a goal scorer. Yeah. Shane Long's last four goals at club level have come under four different managers. Robbie Keane obviously was too old when, when by the time he took over, and then he retired in twenty sixteen. Ron, you're 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 there, dying. There is no strikers. <laughs> there is no goal actually, scorer. Where's the goal scorer in the it's team? It's actually hurting me yeah, to hear you defend Martin O'Neill's reign. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, no, just because 2018 was so this bad. Is, but this, this for the most like, part, it wasn't this bad. This feels like a bunch of United fans defending Jose Mourinho's uh, <laughs> no, point time is, at United. At the, it was quite it, clear he had to leave. He had, he had to go when he went. It wasn't. It wasn't just. It wasn't just 2018. The, fair enough. We got to the Euros. Grand. Think about how we got to the Euros. I remember going to the Aviva Stadium and watching Georgia outplay Ireland when Ireland had 11 Premier League players on the pitch. They had more possession, they had more shots, they had more corners. They dominated us and we scraped a 1-0 win. Martin O'Neill's reign at, at, at Ireland was not a good reign. It just Beat wasn't. Germany at all. Uh, we, we ended up... Germany played, beat Serbia. Germany was, played us off That was not a win, really. We, we weren't we the better side. We, we ended up with a situation where players were getting criticised for being injured by a former player who spent the remainder of his career injured. 
we ended up with Cyrus Christie playing in midfield and our other centre midfielders getting absolutely insulted by Cyrus Christie playing centre midfield. The Denmark game, it wasn't, it wasn't him going for it. It was tactical naivety. No, that's Den- right. The Denmark manager thanked him after the game yeah, no, for his naivety. He let Christian Eriksen run through the midfield. He, he basically gave him, here, Christian, have yeah. the midfield. It wasn't a good reign. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't. I, 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 can't do, I agree go. with you on Denmark, and I think that it seemed to deteriorate, deteriorate from 2017 onwards. But how do you explain the the run of wins from autumn 2015 to November 16? Ireland beat Germany to uh, March to till Coleman uh, broke his leg. Was yeah, they, they beat Germany. They beat uh, Bosnia, who I think were ranked 13th yeah, in the world. Away. They beat Austria, Austria away. away, which they hadn't done since the 60s, and they were, I think, the top-seeded team in that group. They also beat Italy. Now, I know there was a second-string Italy team, but Ireland didn't play badly at that Euros. They played quite well against Sweden. I mean, there was a period where he seemed to have a knack for pulling off big results. Bosnia, I'll give you, and Austria, I'll give you. Germany, I won't. Germany was a well, <laughs> Germany and, were world champions. Who, 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 Germany were world champions. Germany was a fluke. Well, what about the one I'll Germany draw away? Germany, was not, not Germany had about six or seven chances. We parked, and did they score? We, we parked the bus. No. And we, yeah, we parked the, the ball up and Shane Long scored. Would, would, you, would you expect us to go man for man against Germany? Germany? Would you expect us to go man for man against the world champions? You don't have to go man for man against Germany. To but like, how, how, how can you give a 1-0 fluky win <laughs> credit to Martin O'Neill for that? How, what did Martin O'Neill do in that game that you can give him credit for? Nothing. The whole team was set up to to defend with Shane Long up top to break clear and, and that's exactly what happened. The whole thing was Shane Long's pace. He, out, he outpaced the uh, German defence and scored the only goal of the game and we won the game. Was it I mean, I don't know what you expect from him to play against was, Germany to go from man for man and to the one outplay all, them. Was the one-all draw in uh, uh, Gelsenkirchen also a fluke? Well, I mean, the, the, didn't, he, didn't he seems to be very lucky. A last-minute goal from a corner. Well, yeah, he was I mean, very lucky maybe against it was Germany. A fluke. By all but, accounts, but, it was a fluke. But then, at the, by the same measure as well, I think like that Germany victory, if I'm not incorrect, was like the turning point for Euro 2016 because yeah. we had messed up against Scotland, Scotland, yeah, and then we went on and like, all right, Scotland made a balls of it as it was. They drew away to was it Georgia? Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, they drew away to Georgia or something, or, lost, or they lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but like that was. That was the win that kind of gave us momentum, and like I don't, well, we didn't actually need that win. What the one in the end? I don't. Think. We, I don't yeah. think in the end we needed that win. Yeah, I think we, the I one think, against Germany. Or? Yeah, I think Scotland had lost away to Georgia, and then we beat Georgia to push them out. No, it was Scotland. <laughs> but it was it was just one of those things that like gave you the momentum going into like the qualifiers. Like it was just that kind of feel the feel good factor around it. I I accept your point. Like I I wouldn't expect <clears throat> Stephen Kenny made the point that like Irish players aren't inherently unable to play good mm. football like I totally subscribe to that but I just like compared to like what we were playing before I kind of just think it's part of the course do you know what I mean like it's maybe- I, I, I think what went against him in the end is he doubled down on being negative not, yeah. on, not only negative yeah. about football not only negative in terms of how they played football but, but negative, about the yeah, negative like about criticizing the players. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, like just negative in, nef- in press conferences, negative about the players, negative about his whole, oh, the whole thing, the job, yeah. the media. Didn't like the media. I mean, it was evident. To be honest, unless they were going out beating teams five nil. Uh, when they came back in that in that whatever cup that what was that competition called uh, Nations League the Nations, Nations League. League unless they were going to hammer in teams in that he was never going he was always going to his reign was always going to come to a an end like under a cloud because he didn't like the media 
they were playing bad football the crowd weren't attending matches everything had gone wrong yeah yeah. like don't get me wrong I'm, I, Germany the Germany win was one of the biggest moments of my sporting life I, I, I went mental in town that night Euros again fantastic don't detail but what you didn't at the, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time I just can't just I can't I can't say that Martin O'Neill and at, at the end of the day if you sum it all up he was not a good Irish manager and it's, I think it's amazing that he's actually, he's almost outweighing Saipan at the minute because how are we talking about Martin O'Neill at Ireland again? <laughs> yeah, it seems to, how did that happen? seems yeah. to get into every single on. conversation. Yeah, well, I know, but I, can't, I, don't, I didn't bring it there up. People so. talking about that my, Roy Keane might be coming back with them. Yeah. To yeah. Which would be a big, by the way, uh, statement. Sorry from, for the players in from, there. Well, but, from, no, yeah. again, but like a big statement from Roy Keane that he has been, yes. over the last few years, spoken about as when you had taken over a new management job. He's going back in as, a, as an assistant manager, maybe if that happens. But they're two former Nottingham Forest players in charge yeah but it's very much like Keane, maybe Keno's accepting his role as an assistant rather than as a manager well not I don't know not, maybe not, not, not Forest are in a good position they're just off the playoffs I mean Martin O'Neill is, is a manager who definitely has the credentials to succeed in the championship I think he, yeah. he, he, he is the makings of a good club manager yeah maybe international just wasn't for him because yeah. I, I, I think I think the game has kind of passed him by a bit and I think that. I, I think that was ev- well. I suppose sometimes it's hard to know it at, with Sunderland because they're just so all over the shop. And from that documentary, but, they were yeah, a mess. But, uh, but Barry Sunderland, his club career has been brilliant. Yeah, pretty well, pretty good. He spent an awful lot of money. Good. He spent well, a lot of money at Aston Villa. Yeah. he did very well at Aston Villa, though. Got them yeah. six, six, six in the last two seasons, know, two, two out of three but, seasons, but, and then. But that, like, he did do well. And but Villa, but Villa. I would prefix that by going. But he spent a lot of money to like the the whole idea behind. I think it was Randy Lerner at the time giving yeah. up the money was that he'd get Champions League, and he came close, uh. but he didn't get it. And one of the reasons they parted ways was because he wanted to spend even more right. money. Yeah. But that again, that was kind of at, at the beginning of the ludicrous spending at the yeah. Premier League. So it's it's hard to know whether he was spending a lot of money because yeah, yeah. he saw the need to do that, or whether he was spending the money because he, he he wanted to. He was the type of manager though who's very loyal to buying British slash Irish players, and I think and and because you're buying, particularly if you're buying English players, you're, you're buying large, paying more for them because it's just the nature of the market there. And it's particularly at that time, if you were an English player that had was doing anything worthwhile in Premier League your price went up and I think that's the chairman was unhappy about that too James it, McLean to Nottingham Forest yeah. yeah the only thing I would say is that Nottingham Forest sacked their managers left right and centre so I'm not sure like he yeah. has to keep the, hit the ground running in so far it's their, as he, it's their 21st manager since um, what is it is it their 21st manager since Brian Clough left I think that's it yeah that's really? a long time ago. Do you know but Clough won two European it's, Cups? It's, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, but it's not... It's not. It's, it's, the so Clough left in, I think it was 1993. So it's not that long ago. Like, yeah. they had 21 managers. years. No manager has completed... There's some mad stat that no manager has completed longer than like a season or a season and a half in Nottingham Forest. And even in the last really? six years, uh, there's been like five maybe managers. Frank Clark had a few of the But stairs. maybe it's this yeah. century or something like that. You'd, th- you'd think that Martin O'Neill might Frank get a bit Clark. of leeway. <laughs> he was a successor. Who knew Conor Neville was such a The 90s man. is my, my area. <laughs> yeah, I, I get yeah. lost when we step Stan into the 21st. Oh, no, uh, Stan Collymore and uh, Pierre Van Hoy. Oh, yeah. Van Hoy, don't care. 
that he went on strike. Uh, um, anyway, sorry, what were we saying? Martin O'Neill might get a bit of leeway given his. I think his, he will. Yeah. At the yeah. club. I think. Pl- I think. I would. I don't know. Like what the reaction is, but I presume Lion Forest fans would be quite enthused by him returning. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> given well, given his standing, as you said, and then if Roy well, King I don't know. See, see the owner just—I'm not sure if the owner yeah. would you know would buy into all that. Maybe the fans are, but I'm not sure the owner will be the same. And the, if if well, they I'd don't go up, well, this apparently it's a bit of a PR move. So the owner brought him back, and it's obviously a factor that he yes, was. Yes, uh, he went over the fans. Yeah, so so it seemed to be Daniel Taylor, the Guardian writer, who's a bit, who's a Nottingham Forest fan. He's written a book on Clough. He uh, he welcomed him big time and uh, had a pop at levels of expectation in Ireland in the process He's, he, he he claimed that Irish fans were upset at O'Neill because John O'Shea wasn't Franz Beckenbauer basically I think that, that was the yeah, he words that, that was the line yeah no, that's a bit harsh I like Taylor's stuff generally that was directed at the end over there oh, <laughs> I would just like to play a centre midfielder in centre midfield and not a right back is it? I, I think that's not too much to ask Daniel Taylor yeah but anyway I think that almost sums it up for tonight unless there's something about, else will we, will we talk about Arsenal for a while why not? Balak, do you remember that time Balak was going to sign for them? <laughs> <laughs> They're not going well. God, I mean, Derek Ryan, did we ever see the scenario where United would be drawing level on points on Arsenal? Absolutely, after? it was always going to happen. <laughs> I did not. It was always going to happen. Is Joe's Arsenal thing a slot? If you need to develop a jingle, can we get a sponsor on board? <laughs> just me saying finger out or something as the jingle. Well, I hope yeah, Emery, I do. Like you would know, like, in terms of message boards, there's no pressure on Emery. Uh, I know there's not. Yeah, there's okay, not. Great. There is. There is. Uh, <laughs> well, there, you never know with Arsenal. I think Arsenal there, fan TV back. Uh, I think there's unhappiness uh, with internally the way things are being run in the club I mean your man from Bayern Munich is leaving the club now um, oh I had his name there he Sven Mislintat yes head of well done Rafa the man Rafa he, 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 was, he was head of recruitment and internal politics are allegedly have taken over at the club and he seems to be looking to move on um, obviously Petr Cech ret- ret- retiring but he's 37 yeah is he 37 uh, um it's a big transfer window this summer, but uh, yeah, we well, see, and even they don't have a lot of money. No, see, Emery's after coming out and saying that well, we've no money in January, only for loan signings. And I mean, when you look at the team, actually, that they're kind of I, I don't know, it's hard to know where they're going because they're very threadbare. I mean, they have a few good players, and then they have an awful lot of average players. Mm. Uh, and, and the Ozil thing is kind of hanging over him uh, as well I think he's gone yeah but I, yeah, I heard he's going to, to Manchester United <laughs> 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 but like you know he's like they they are actually carrying a lot of weight there players that could have been good and now it's passed by like, even Ramsey's gone you know so the, I'd say Ozil probably move on at the end of the season you've got a defence there that's very poor very very average yeah, to yeah. poor uh, Koscielny's career is coming to a winding down um, you've got a, a good, stri- you've got two good strikers in Lacazette and Aubameyang. And you can say the name. Oh, you can say the name. Say the name. <laughs> uh, you've got two good strikers there, and then you know you've a few couple of players. But uh, for the size of the club and everything, it's it's just there's so much moderniz- modernization needed there uh, in terms to get them up to the level, say Liverpool are at, or United, that, or, <laughs> <laughs> that you're gonna need. I'd say he, I'd say he'll need four or five years at it. I mean. Uh, he won't get that I know but he probably needs something like that he should get at least three he should get at least yeah. three Klopp's, I mean, Klopp's got three and look what Klopp is yeah I think I think the, I think he needs to be given a lot of time um, the reality is probably setting in for a few for myself included for more Arsenal fans that this isn't going to be as easy getting into the Champions League as we thought because I mean the, the whatever about a couple of the defeats before Christmas the one before, uh, against West Ham was a bit of a real come down because it's like oh 
we should be beating West Ham away. There'd be that feeling. We usually do beat West Ham away. Mm. And uh, to lose that, you kind of go, no, you got Chelsea. It's it's just that, I supp- it's just that, you know, Arsenal beat, when Arsenal beat Spurs before Christmas, it was, it seemed like a massive turning point and actually results since then have been pretty weak. Um, and uh, it, it, it rather than the manager, it just seems that there is a hell of a lot of work to do to get that t- club right. And, well, and big money to spend is and, the big, uh, is big, big money issue. needed. Big yeah, money yeah. needed. What what did happen to Arsenal fan TV? I mean, how was that? It's was still, it going. It's still going. It's still going. It's just not yeah. nearly as entertaining. No, I mean, if you've not, to, if you've no, if you've no bone. What to are they talking on. about? Uh, well, well, I don't really I'm not going to discuss exactly what they had on their last show, but I saw the headline and who the person was. So um, I would say it's just Google. No, no, this is like a celebrity of a different sort. Oh, Piers Morgan. No, not, no, oh. no, no. More, <laughs> Stop more guessing, Joe. <laughs> different. Uh, I'm not going to say the name. <laughs> I'm not going to say the name out loud. Just Google Arsenal Fan TV. See who Robbie, who we had on last season, had on the show. And that is all I'm going to say. Are they, are they Surely, an Arsenal fan? I don't know. Oh, okay. I didn't watch oh, the thing. Oh, I know who it is now. Surely yeah. the Arsenal. Why can't we mention the name? I don't want to mention the name. <laughs> Why not? I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Just Google it. That's all I'm saying to Donald the listeners. Donald Trump. <laughs> his son is an Arsenal fan apparently Baron Trump but no not not, not the Trumps but sure, anyway surely the Arsenal fan TV investors and I'm sure they're, they're big names <laughs> I love the way you say investors yeah, so I, I, really, you know yeah. the, the powers that be behind <laughs> Arsenal fan TV sitting in their smoky rooms surely they lobbied hard against Wenger uh, going they probably prevented, <laughs> his, prevented his removal several times uh, I would well, imagine well, did it, they? it definitely didn't help I'm sure, I'm sure it, it definitely didn't help their viewing figures that Wenger has now in fact left well, I haven't watched an Arsenal fan TV clip since he left. Apart from the time well, he was Arsenal, on the bus. Like, even though, say, Arsenal are six points behind Chelsea and probably won't make the Champions Well, I don't know. I'm hard to know, very up and down, but probably won't make the Champions League. I still think they're having a pretty okay season. They got a fair whacking against Liverpool, but other than that, like, it, they haven't been hammered by every top five, six team they've played. It's only Liverpool so far. But in I terms do- of results, sorry to interrupt, um, where, I wonder where they are now compared to last season in terms of their I, I points. Actually, I actually think it's not that dissimilar. Yeah, they're close to about the same. Do you get me? So, yeah, I mean... Yeah. I know, oh, I know. So there's that as well where... They're, I mean, they were really hammered against Liverpool, which was a yeah. bit so... Uh, particularly, uh, something Something is... Uh, things. I, I think the season's catching up with them because at the Emirates against Liverpool, they were actually quite good and they got the draw. But then at Anfield, they were it, they were chasing shadows for the whole game. Yeah, they're, I, I think they're probably one bad defeat away from Trips. Um, yeah, making a return on Arsenal Fan <laughs> TV and asking for Emery to get out of his club and DT and all the other guys but uh, yeah I think that almost sums it up for this but, week oh well I've last before we go right go <laughs> see we're doing all the topics now Ram yeah like the, the start of the show actually turned out to be what about Ole Saviour pretty great yeah what about Ole Saviour <laughs> yeah great Oh, sorry, uh, Ollie. Yeah, because yeah, you're the United fan here. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I mean, I have to say, I you. thought I thought the Spurs game was the litmus test, and Jesus, they won. They won, uh, and I, it was great. The first hour was particularly brilliant because United completely dominated and should have been maybe two or three nil up. Good, some good saves from Lloris. The last half an hour is a bit of a worry. How much can you depend? Can you rely on De Gea again and again and yeah, again? Yeah. And obviously the last half an hour was was chance after chance after chance. Some of them were straight at De Gea, but it was still an unbelievable performance from De Gea. Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, you get the win, and like I say, d- dominated dominated Spurs away from home is is something that's not not many is, teams have done it, this but season. Is, is there an element of okay? I I I'll pull, I'll pull out my prediction here. United will beat Paris Saint Germain, right? 
Solskjaer will get kept on for the for the next season and then it's going to be an unmitigated That's the worry that I have and, and, and that's why you're looking at these games the Paris Saint-Germain game Liverpool and City later on this season and looking at a performance even more so than a result a performance and seeing can you do what they did in the first hour for 90 minutes against those teams or not even dominating teams but you know managing to contain them and not have what 10-15 shots on target like Spurs had so that's what you're looking at more from now to the end of the season rather than even results I just don't. I don't think he's got. He's he's going to get the job. I can I love to see him get the job, but I just don't want him to get the job and then be sacked in October. So I'd rather yeah. if he didn't impress in those games between between now and the end of the season, the Paris games, like I say, Liverpool City, then I would rather he didn't get the job now. Maybe he went off and got another job and came back in a few years' time and they, yeah. and they gave it to Poch. Is he but, just priming himself for a Premier League job? Is this it? Like, possibly. It, I, that's kind of what yeah. I felt. It was a kind of a reputation rebuilder. Like there's, everyone has said it. Like there's no actual genuine proper pressure on him okay um he's back in england everyone <clears throat> everyone can write off what happened at cardiff um he's he loves, he's loved by united fans he's loved by united fans and yeah, did exactly. he, isn't mike feeling back yeah yeah he is, like uh, I, 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 have people underestimated the impact him leaving the club had yeah apparently ferguson has more of an influence as well which is yeah. not a bad thing given yeah like solskjaer still calls because uh, everyone's making the point that yeah. like solskjaer still calls ferguson gaffer which like yeah. why wouldn't you if yeah. he was like yeah. the figure at united for like twenty percent. Do you know what I mean? Ferguson's back on the training field as well. Is he? Was, he was. Uh, James right. Ducker had a really good piece on the Telegraph uh, that uh, Daniele De Rossi was training because he's a free oh, agent. Oh, you mean Giuseppe Rossi? Or Gi- Giuseppe. Uh, sorry, he was training with United, and uh, Solskjaer actually said in a press conference that uh, Ferguson was on the training ground. and was really impressed by him. How does uh, that make you feel, Direct that Fergie's back? Fergie's back, oh, baby. It's, it's this amazing. is amazing. Well, I see you sound like supposed to be 1972. We're going to get relegated in two years. There's so many Fergie traits that Solskjaer has brought to the yeah. United job based on Jim Stucker's pace, at least. Uh, he was saying that there were staff members that uh, Solskjaer remembered their kids' names from four years ago, and that's that's a classic tactic from Ferguson to always remember your staff's names and their, their family's names. He uh, He was... Instead of telling a player he was dropped, he was saying, I need you for the next game, I need you to be fit, fit, which Ferguson would have told him. And just tiny little things like bringing the squad closer together, playing youth players against senior players in training, that was happening in Dubai, and it's just, the atmosphere is so much different to what it was under Mourinho. Yeah, I mean, geez, six that's like six from six speaks for itself, really. Yeah. Why, why, why wouldn't he get the job? Because I mean, there's no certainty. I mean, Pochettino isn't a certainty. There's no certainties in football. I mean, if if he's if he's proven to have done well in the job, is that not? But the, like, the, the environment I'd like is to see different, him. though. Do you know, like that's that's the only detractor I have from it that the environment will be different. That everyone yeah. knows that this is a six month gig with kind of like uh, maybe he'll get it, but he probably won't get it. Poch is proven at Southampton, and he's proven at Tottenham, and. Like you kind of see with the project that he's had at Tottenham, it kind of might contradict it. But Pochettino could be like a long-term manager. He could be a project manager if you give him the time, the money, the space to go and build his own squad, pretty much. But it's it's just not the same. Like it's not an official. Mm. He's not the manager, really. Yeah. I think he's just the facilitator. Yeah, yeah. I'd like anything to, else. I'd like to see how he handles a downturn in form a couple of games that don't go well, so well and then it's going to come at some stage. yeah exactly yeah. and if it doesn't come in the next six, five or six months properly then it, it'll come starting next season and do you want it to come then and this downturn of form or players maybe turning against him because not every player is going to be delighted to be sitting on the bench yeah. he's not Ferguson so players might may start turning against him again this all 
may happen and how he handles that will be huge but for me it's a tactical thing how strong is he tactically he showed in the first hour against Spurs uh, he, was on, that he, he outsmarted he did for the, first the last half an hour is a bit of a worry I'd like to see how he does in those big games which are now in the end of the season and if he, if he impresses in those games then absolutely why not but the great thing is is that whatever they're doing whether it's him or it's Mike Phelan or it's Ferguson like it shows that United have spent okay they spent loads of money in the last few years but they actually have brilliant players and now he's starting like Pogba is actually start, even Graham Souness is praising Pogba he's starting to show you know the form that say he might have showed for France and like Pogba was always that it's not that he's like what, what it's not that what was the point uh, yeah Pogba like people run about the pass for the goal but it's not that Pogba's making better passes or anything like that. It's just that uh, Rashford wouldn't have been in that position if Mourinho had been manager because Rashford would be down defending uh, defending at right back or something yeah, like I that. I made that point last week that I think United have had, like everyone's been slagging off United players and Mourinho, we talk, spoke about Martin O'Neill being negative about Irish players. Mourinho's very negative about United players for the last yeah. six months yeah. saying well, we don't have defenders, we don't have this, we don't have that. You know, United do have the players. That's that's been I think that's been obvious for the last few months. They have... Paul Pogba they've got these great players all throughout the team who were just playing really really badly and are being there's a negative atmosphere around the place any and, and uh, no disrespect to social but any manager who came in and got those players playing to their level would have improved performances and improved results Social is obviously going beyond that and 6 out of 6 is, is brilliant but there are definitely players there enough players there to be, be beating the likes ah, of yeah. Reading and they all these teams like, they really do have a massive team the 6 out of 6 all I would say <clears throat> I know like it's a stick to beating with that like they were so-called like a weaker side or like weaker sides but he's got those six teams or he's got those six results and like the most squashed period of the year like the busiest Christmas like busy Christmas period yeah. he's got a cup turn or a cup game in there as well won all of them like Tottenham was the only one that was really really in doubt mm, I would mm. say anyway oh yeah definitely definitely mm. well I think we've talked about everything uh, the show got more interesting I'm as, as it went on for tone Rev Ah, no. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> another time, maybe. Um, anyway, uh, that's it pretty much for this week's show. We'll be back next week. So, Joe Coffey, thanks Raph, for coming in. Derek Ryan. Thank you, Rav. Connor Neville. Thank you. End of call. Thank you. Keen Roach. Thank you very much. And Killian Woods. And Thank that you, is a Ferguson esque trait to actually remember all and, your and, and colleague and <laughs> colleagues and staff. Raf, now my first my first show of the year in studio, Mayo for Sam twenty nineteen. Yes. Okay, we'll we'll see where that where that actually leads. Anyway, that's it for this week's show. Uh, take it away, Johan. Well I might as well tell you now. You lot may all be internationals and have won all the domestic honours there are to win under Don Revy. But as far as I'm concerned, the first thing you can do for me is to chuck all your medals and all your caps and all your pots and all your pans into the biggest flipping dustbin you can find. Because you've never won any of them fairly. You've done it all by blooming cheating.